This afternoon, congregation, we deal with Lord's Day 6 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 6. We uh, confessed in Lord's Day 5 that God's justice needs to be fully satisfied. We can't do that. Another creature can't do that. What, what kind of mediator and deliverer must we seek is the last question of uh, Lord's Day 5, and the answer is one who is a true and righteous man, yet more powerful than all creatures, that is, one who is at the same time true God. Then we confess Lord's Day 6, why must he be a true and righteous man? He must be a true man because the justice of God requires that the same human nature which is sin should pay for sin. He must be a righteous man because one who himself is a sinner cannot pay for others. Why must he at the same time be true God? He must be true God so that by the power of his divine nature, he might bear in his human nature the burden of God's wrath and might obtain for us and restore to us righteousness in life. But who is that mediator who at the same time is true God and a true and righteous man? Our Lord Jesus Christ, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. From where do you know this? from the Holy Gospel, which God himself first revealed in paradise, later he had it proclaimed by the patriarchs and prophets and foreshadowed by the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law. Finally, he had it fulfilled through his only son. So far, Lord's Day 6. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, boys and girls who belong to the Lord too, Lots of who, why, and where questions in Lord's Day 6. And if you think it, about it, it might sound kind of academic, right? All those questions about the mediator. Is it really necessary to go into all that kind of detail about the mediator, who we already know from Lord's Day 1 is Jesus Christ? Doesn't this kind of detail, true and righteous man and true God, and so on. Doesn't this kind of detail which the young people have to learn in catechism class, doesn't that stifle the real joyful experience of faith? Why not just confess, Jesus saves, and leave it at that? Well, congregation, our confessions have been called, been called the music to the song of faith in the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And that's actually a wonderful metaphor. You can think of what we confess here in the three parts of the catechism as, you can think of that as music to the song of faith. Here are all the notes in the catechism. In order to sing the joyful song of faith from the heart, we have to know the notes. The notes are the doctrines of the Word of God found in Scripture and arranged by the church in her confessions so we can sing the song of faith to God in the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And that metaphor isn't just taken out of the air because we read part of Revelation 5 and there John is shown a vision of all the creatures around the throne, the, the 24 elders there too who represent the Old Testament church founded on the 12 patriarchs and the New Testament church founded on the 12 apostles. 
They were there with all the angels and creatures singing praises to God and to the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Wonderful song. And congregation, in order to sing that, that song of praise, which we hope to sing in the future at God's throne, if we want to sing that, then we, we need to hear already, know the notes of the music. And that's what our confessions are. That's what the questions and answers in Lord's Day 6 are. In this Lord's Day 2, the children of the church learn the notes to sing the song of praise which they can sing to the Lamb in the future. And in the catechism preaching, we all learn and practice that wonderful, joyful song of praise which the church is going to sing then before God's throne in eternity. Because in Lord's Day 6, we learn why Jesus Christ, the Lamb, is worthy of eternal praise. And our theme for the explanation of our confession this afternoon is the words of John the Baptist when he saw Jesus after he had baptized him at the Jordan. When he saw Jesus coming toward him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And we'll see that this lamb was first of all required, secondly recognized, and thirdly revealed. So first of all, this lamb of God required. With Lord's Day 5, we confess there's going to be peace. If there's going to be peace between God and his people, then all the obligations and the punishments of the covenant have to be fully satisfied. Without the full satisfaction or payment of those obligations and punishments, without that, the wonderful relationship in which Adam walked with God in the beginning could never be restored, as we saw over the past number of Lord's Days. And since we can't satisfy those requirements, no other creature can pay for us either, we confess in the last question and answer of Lord's Day 5, the mediator we needed had to be special, extremely Special, And this is not something we dreamed up. This is something that God revealed to us. True righteous man, and at the same time, true God. And the Lord's Day, Lord's Day 6 delves further, further into those uh, two characteristics of the mediator we needed. Why must he be a true and righteous man? And why must he be at the same time true God? All this sounds pretty academic and dogmatic, as we mentioned. Why not simply accept the mediator the way he is? Never mind the, the why must he be this or why must he be that. Why not just simply leave it at the simple confession, as we mentioned before, Jesus saves. Why the detail? Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, to simply put aside what the Bible teaches us about the kind of mediator we need, we needed, what made him the one to save him from our sins, is to ignore some of the notes of the music of the song of praise to the Lamb. And if we want to join in that symphony of praise with the church of all times and the angels in the future, we have to know those notes now as well as we can. Learn them now. Know why Jesus is the one for us. Learn to appreciate as much as we can why he had to be that way so that our hearts already now overflow with praise to God. To simply say Jesus saves, 
That's all I need to know about him. Maybe it sounds pretty pious, but it's extremely shallow. You're never going to come to the real deep joy of faith, to the, the, the joyful song, to the praise of the Lamb, if you don't do all you can to understand exactly also how He is your Savior. What made Him the perfect Savior and mediator for you? And see, congregation, the Bible isn't afraid of being asked the why and the wherefore about the things it tells us to believe. Certainly in the Bible, God asks us to believe a lot of things which we'll never be able to understand fully in this life. But faith doesn't mean taking everything for granted just like that. Faith isn't saying that you believe the Bible and that you believe Jesus saves and, and kind of a lot of generalities like that, just accepting it all in general without trying to understand exactly who Jesus is and why he is the Savior you needed. You'll never get to the joy of faith like that and the comfort. The Bible has, the faith has to be deepened through the understanding of what the Bible says about Jesus as much as possible on your part. And I mentioned this, I want to emphasize that because I'm afraid that it's a real danger in this age of text message and Twitter, all these little short things that we try to keep the actual mental content of our faith as brief as possible too. Kind of a text messages about Jesus. And, and it's so easy to state, sure, I believe the Bible, I accept the three forms of unity as good confessions, but do you really have a true grasp of what the Bible says and what the church confesses from it? Or is that a kind of a blind acceptance? You accept Bible and confessions without really knowing and growing in them. Maybe just because you were born and raised in the Reformed church. If it's blind acceptance, beware, because then the hearts are going to grow dull and the ears will become heavy with hearing and the reverence and joy at the work of the redemption by the Lamb of God will become less and less. Instead, you become prey to all kinds of confusing ideas about salvation which don't really come from the Bible. You know, it's a, it's a saying goes, you know, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. And that counts for the doctrine of the Lamb, too. God doesn't want acceptance without some understanding and growing in that of what the Bible says about Christ's work of redemption, of, of his person, too. He wants living faith that searches the Scriptures, faith that asks the why, who, where. Because the more we try to understand Christ's person and work, the more we will be in awe of what he did and the more comfort and the more joy we have in him too. And congregation, the more we look forward to joining that throng around the, th the throne too to sing praises to the Lamb. You want to grow in that joy so that nothing can take that away from you? Well, do your best to understand it then. Use the catechism as a resource to dig into the Bible. Why must the mediator, we sinners, need be true and righteous man? Well, let's just begin with that requirement. Our mediator had to be one of us. All we like sheep have gone astray, Isaiah says. Only one who himself is also the lamb of the flock, one who shares our human nature, 
can pay for sin and satisfy the justice of God. Yes, don't forget that justice of God. Lord's Day 4, we confess from the Bible, God's justice requires that sin committed against the most high majesty of God be punished with the most severe, that is, with everlasting punishment of body and soul. Sin requires hell. The Bible is clear on that. But notice that that punishment for sin in hell is punishment of body and soul. People in hell are and will be punished in body and soul because that alone satisfies God's justice. And angels being spiritual beings have no bodies while animals have no souls. So it had to be a man among men, a lamb from among the flock, we could say, who had to undergo that everlasting punishment of body and soul in order to deliver us from hell. In order to save us, our paschal lamb had to suffer the hellish punishment we deserve to suffer in hell in body and soul. Because only then would God's wrath against us be satisfied and averted as signified when the Passover was instituted as we read in Exodus 12. But not only did he have to be a true man, also true and righteous man. As we confess from the Bible, Lord's Day 6, one who himself is a sinner cannot pay for others. Shown at the, at the Passover we just mentioned, the lamb who could deliver the flock had to be a lamb without blemish. That represented the need for a perfectly righteous man. Can someone who himself is a sinner and going bankrupt and going deeper in the hole every day, can a person like that bail out other bankrupt people? Because that, that's what we are in sin. We're bankrupt. Conceived and born in sin, still always inclined to evil. The mediator we needed had to be like his brothers in every way, accepted except sin without sin a lamb without any blemish only then would his suffering and death fulfill what is needed for others but not only did the required mediator need to be a true and righteous man at the same time also true god and you remember the the just punishment for our sins is everlasting punishment of body and soul well just imagine if there would be a true and righteous man somewhere. Well, that man could not be our mediator, the lamb required to bring peace between God and us because no matter how true and righteous that man might be, as a man, he'd never be able to endure the everlasting punishment of body and soul which God's justice demands and say at a certain point, it is finished. He'd never get finished with it. He'd be like a lamb on the altar which would be completely burned up in the end. There would be nothing left to share with others as at the Passover feast. There would be no Passover meal afterwards by which everybody could share in the lamb. No, as, as we confess from the Bible, Lord's Day 6, he must be true God so that by the power of his divine nature, he might bear in his human nature the burden of God's wrath and might obtain for us and restore to us righteousness and life. 
See, human nature, even perfectly righteous human nature, is not enough to drink the cup of God's wrath until it's completely dry, until God's eternal consuming wrath is completely satisfied and cooled. Even a true and righteous, a righteous man, perfect man, could not survive it. And he certainly wouldn't be able to share that righteousness and life he obtained with others. There would be nothing left to share. The required mediator had to be the, the Lamb of God, not only a perfect man, but at the same time the Son of God. And brothers and sisters, boys and girls, you see the profile of our Lord Jesus Christ outlined in our confession of God's word here. True righteous man at the same time, true God. He bore in body and soul the full and complete wrath of God against all our sins to the very end, and he finished it. And the blood of this Lamb of God is so precious that it's enough to take the sin away the sin of the whole world many times over. Whoever belongs to him will be so fully and completely washed clean that no matter how unclean he or she was because of sin, Christ will present that person to God with all his elect, without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, are you starting to read a few of the notes to the joyful music of faith? Here's a few more. The Lamb of God recognized. The Catechism asks in the third question, Lord's Day 6, who is that mediator who at the same time is true God and true and righteous man? And that question isn't asked here as if we still need to identify the, uh, the mediator, that as if we still have to discover him at this point. No, we, we already confess Jesus as the faithful Savior who has paid for all our sins with his precious blood in Lord's Day 1. This is not a journey of discovery here. No, the, the point that Lord's Day 6 wants to make here is that it wants to emphasize here that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who has so perfectly and wondrously fulfilled the requirements, all the requirements for the mediator, that the benefits of his sacrifice just tumble over each other in the answer, which is a quote from 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, and here I use the... I use the, uh, the New King James Version above the translation, the NIV, which is used in Lord's Day 6 of our catechism. The New King James Version, which I think is more accurate. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, Jesus' person and work, so complete, so full, paid for all our sins and weaknesses that he's everything for us, our full, complete, total salvation. Our wisdom, our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. It's all from him the whole nine yards. And that's why right after that text quoted in Lord's Day 6, it says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 31, that as it is written, 
he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. In other words, there's nothing of yourself in this. It's all from him, totally. Everything is from him. And if there's anything then to get excited and joyful about in this life, it's belonging to this mediator. And that brings me to John 1, the part where John the Baptist saw Jesus walking toward him not long after he had baptized him in the Jordan. And you know, at that time, it was the Feast of Passover. It was the beginning of the Feast of Passover. You read that in the, in the next chapter. And John saw him coming and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, there he is. And you notice there's an exclamation mark at the end of that sentence spoken by John in John 1. And rightly so. Because John was very excited when he saw Jesus and when he spoke about him there. Notice he calls him the Lamb of God. There's the emphasis there. He's the fulfillment of the Passover lamb sent by God. We know from John 2.13 that it was just before the Passover, as I mentioned, a time when the flocks of lambs were being driven to Jerusalem and every family in Israel was going to choose a lamb from the flock without blemish to sacrifice at the temple. The blood would be caught in a bowl, as we read, used to mark the doorposts, and the meat would be prepared for the Passover meal. And they were going to eat everything. Everything. The Israelites were about to remember God's deliverance of his people from slavery and death in Egypt. Well, at that time, John the Baptist gets really excited. He really gets excited and he says, he points to Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. He points Jesus out as the fulfillment, the glorious fulfillment of that Passover Lamb who will not only take away Israel's sins, but the sins of many the world over. He will take away the sin of the world. But the man John pointed to when he spoke those words was a man with body and soul like all other men. He was perfect. One whose sandal strap, John said, he wasn't worthy to untie. One who was also true God, who was before John, John says. Even though John was older, older than Jesus, John says, he was before me. And when John had baptized Jesus in the Jordan, he saw the Spirit of God descend on him, and God had said, this is my son. And John bore witness that he had seen the Spirit descending on Jesus from heaven like a dove. And the dove, you know, is a sign of peace even today. A dove with an olive branch, sign of peace. Think of the flood in the days of Noah. God's wrath against the wickedness of men went out over the whole earth and destroyed everything and everyone except Noah and the animals with him in the ark and the people there. And later the waters receded and Noah sent a dove out of the ark to see if life was possible on earth again. And the dove returned with an olive branch in his mouth, in his beak. And that meant God's wrath had subsided for the time being, there was peace 
and life was possible on earth again. Well, that dove at Jesus' baptism was, among other things, also the sign that in Christ, life would be restored again. It designated Jesus Christ as the one who would restore peace with God again. Jesus Christ, righteous man and true God. John excitedly recognized him and he, he pointed him out, not just once, but twice as the Lamb of God, the mediator who would pay for sin and bring peace between God and man again. And brothers and sisters, boys and girls, it's up to us now to recognize Jesus as the Lamb of God for us too. To confess Him, embrace Him in faith and joy as our mediator and savior who completely satisfied for all our sins and has redeemed us body and soul from the punishment of hell. Recognize him, and with even more excitement than John the Baptist, because John, John saw the spirit in the form of the dove, and he heard even the voice of God pointing out Jesus as, as his son and as the lamb of God, therefore the one who would satisfy. But we see and hear a lot more than John ever did. We can see and hear the proclamation of the gospel of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God on the cross, where in the end he cried out, it is finished. And we see and hear that sacrifice signified and sealed in the sacraments. And then you can think here of the Lord's Supper, the bread and the wine representing Christ's body broken in blood shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. We hear and see more than John the Baptist. And if there's anything for us to be enthusiastic and excited about then, then it's that congregation. Jesus, the Lamb of God, our Lamb. Come to the last point of the sermon. The Lamb of God revealed. The last question of Lord's Day 6, brothers and sisters, asked from where do you know that this? Where do you know all of this about him, Jesus, being the lamb? Well, this is not something that we came upon by our own, something that we kind of figured out on our own and came to believe out of ourselves. No, we know this from only one place, from the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel. John the Baptist had a special revelation from God at the Jordan, at Jesus' baptism. He needed that special revelation because he was the herald, the one who had to prepare the way for the coming of the Lamb. But we have the full revelation of what Jesus Christ did as the Lamb of God and will do as the Lamb of God. We have it in full. The Bible, which is the Holy Gospel from cover to cover, it's all in there. Every page of the Bible, we could say, points to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The whole Old Testament, all the law and the prophets, including what we read from Exodus about the Passover and the Lamb there, and in the New Testament, John 
John the Baptist and, and then the revelation about the fulfillment of everything, which, which was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Think of what we read there in Revelation 5. The Bible congregation is the living gospel of Jesus Christ. The whole purpose of this book is to point to him as your Savior, as the Lamb. He himself, in fact, we could say it this way, he comes to us in the Word, in the Gospel. He makes us his own by means of that Word. We approach him, we know him, learn to love him, accept him, believe in him, abide in him, rejoice in him by means of the Gospel, the Word. And you recognize again then too how important our exposure to this book is, congregation. This Bible needs to be opened in our homes every day and here every Sunday again. Carefully search the scriptures. Dig deeply into it if we're really going to know Jesus, the Lamb of God, if we're going to grow in our love for him and our enthusiasm about belonging to him. And, and teach the next generation to know him too, to open the Bible and know the gospel and to also diligently attend the worship services. If we easily skip Bible reading at home or on Sunday, our Sunday worship, what is the next generation going to do? The Bible as well as history show that the following generation will skip those things a bit more easily and the generation afterward, sadly, even more. And then eventually, the music to the song of faith, the song for the Lamb is going to be lost. No, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, let's make every effort to know the word Know our confession, too. That word is as it confessed in the catechism. Learn the music to the joyful song to the Lamb as long as we have the opportunity and the time here. And if we know that, then we can be sure to be part of that great multitude around the throne in heaven who joyfully sing together, enthusiastically sing, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Amen.